Hello everybody, this is Kia from Wicked Majesty and you are listening to Tea and Terror Podcast, the show that entertains with true and fictional stories from beyond the grave for people who love horror. Good evening everyone, welcome to another Thursday night of the Tea and Terror Podcast. If you're just listening to the podcast, thank you for joining in, and I hope you will enjoy tonight's podcast. Now, for tonight, I will be narrating a story about a woman who goes into insanity over some yellow wallpaper. Or at least, that's what her husband ends up thinking. Can't really blame the girl. Yellow is an ugly color to put in the bedroom or nursery. But that's just my opinion. Anyway, tonight starts off the new series for this classic gothic tale called The Yellow Wallpaper by Charlotte Perkins Gilman. Now let's get into it. Ordinary people like John and myself secure ancestral halls for the summer. A colonial mansion, a hereditary estate, I would say a haunted house, and reach the height of romantic felicity. But that would be asking too much of fate. Still, I would probably declare that there is something queer about it. Else, why would it be wet so cheaply? And why have stood so long untinted? John laughs at me, of course. But one expects that in marriage. John is practical in the extreme, has no patience with faith, and extent an intense horror of superstition, and he scoffs openly at any talk of things not to be felt or unseen. It puts down in figures. John is a physician, and perhaps I would not say it would say it to a living soul, of course, but this is dead paper and a great relief to my mind. Perhaps that is one reason I do not get well faster. You see, he does not believe I am sick, and what else can I do? If a physician of high standing and one's own husband assures friends and relatives that there is really nothing the matter with one, but temporarily nervous depression and a slight hysterical tendency. What is one to do? My brother is also a physician, and also of high standing, and he says the same thing. So I take phosphate, or phosphates, whichever it is, and tonics and journeys, and air and exercise, and am absolutely forbidden to work until I am well again. Personally, I disagree with their ideas. Personally, I believe that congenial work with excitement and change would do me good. But what is one to do? I did write for a while in spite of them, but it does haunt me, but it does exhaust me a good deal, having to be so sly about it, or else meet with heavy opposition. I sometimes fancy that in my condition, if I had less opposition and more society and stimulus, but John says, the very worst thing I can do is to think about my condition, and I confess, it always makes me feel bad. So I will let let alone and talk about the house. The most beautiful place is quite alone, standing well back from the road, quite three miles from the village. It makes me think of English places that you read about, for there are hedges and walls and gates that lock and lock little houses for the gardeners and people. There is a delicious garden 
I never saw such a garden, large and shady, full of box-bordered path and lined with long grape-covered arbors with seats under them. There were greenhouses too, but they are all broken now. There was some legal trouble, I believe. Something about the heirs and co-heirs. Anyhow, the place has been empty for years. That spoils my ghostliness, I am afraid. But I don't care. There is something strange about this house. I can feel it. I even said so to John one moonlight evening, but he said what I felt was a draught and shut the window. I get unreasonably angry with John sometimes. I'm sure I never used to be so sensitive. I think it is due to the nervous condition. But John says, if I feel so, I shall neglect proper self-control. So I take pains to control myself before him, at least. And that makes me very tired. I don't like our room a bit. I wanted one downstairs that opened on a piazza and had roses all over the window and such pretty old-fashioned sheets hanging, but John would not hear of it. He said there was only one window and not room for two beds and no near room for him if he took another. He is very careful and loving and hardly lets me stir without special direction. I have a scheduled prescription for each hour in the day. He takes all care from me, and so I feel basically ungrateful not to value it more. He said we came here solely on my account, that I was to have perfect rest and all the air I could get. Your exercise depends on your strength, my dear, he said, and your food somewhat on your appetite, but air you can absorb all the time. So we took the nursery at the top of the house. It is big, airy, the whole floor nearly with the windows that look always, and air and sunshine galore. It was nursery first, and then playground and gymnasium. I should judge, for the windows are barred for little children, and there are rings and things in the walls. The paint and paper look as if a boy's school had used it. It is stripped off the paper in great patches all around the head of my bed, about as far as I can reach and in a great place of the other side of the room, low down. Well, that is our episode for the week. Thank you for listening. If you want to hear more episodes coming up in the future, then definitely add the Tea and Terror to your playlist on Spotify or Apple Podcast. You can also check out the show on my Wicked Majesty channel. This is Kia, and I will catch you next week. Same time, same place. Have a good night.